0: The Dead Letters Club Podcast. It's getting dark out, so <laughs> we're, getting, said, dark we're dark out. getting
1: dark out. <laughs> Red
0: It's like a podcast within a crypt.
1: Oh hey, yeah. Hello. We haven't been here. These are pre recorded, but we haven't seen each other in like four weeks. It's been a long time. I've had finals. You've had playoffs, which are technically finals for basketball. It's true. But the sun sucks, so now we're back. So now we're back. And I passed, so yeah. I took the semester off. I did have a week after my semester where I felt like I didn't know what to do with myself. I was in a weird depression. I'm like, I have no. I feel that. It was so weird. I was, I kept... like, looking forward to it, and then it happened, and I was like, "Ething!"
0: I kept telling people that i uh, basically unemployed last week.
1: Oh, my God. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's like, I only work two days. What is this? So, both of our boyfriends are really big Suns fans. Yep. And when they hang out together, they do, like, the dad pose, stand up really close to the TV when the Suns are playing. Yeah. So, my boyfriend stressed out the last Suns game against the Mavericks game seven. I took a nap in the second quarter. I'm a basketball fan, but I also worked that day, so I was tired. I took a nap. Yeah. I wake up. He's pacing around the house, and I'm just like, yo, what's going on? Like, you're stressing me out. And he goes, I don't know if they can, can come back, man. I don't know if they can do it. They're down 40 points. I don't know if they can bring it back. And I said, okay, well, you know, win or lose, it's kind of okay for me. He's like, he stops, turns. He's like, "What are you? what are you talking about? what do you how could you say that and i was like well if they win you're happy which makes me happy if they lose you come back to work so (laughs) i was like it's win-win for me either way i'm like i'm not losing in this situation yeah i welcome back to the dead letters club podcast i'm getting so it's only episode eight and i'm already nailing it 10 out of 10 god damn Well, the crypt door is open. As you know, there are steps in and out. Mm -hmm. And there's a little bit of fog. You have to watch your step. We are not liable for any injuries that you sustain while coming down the stairs. Nope. Grab your really creepy sacramental robes that you don't wash and open your books to chapter 31 because uh, we're going on a wild ride of just Matt and Rand for the next probably an hour and a half to two hours. And I'm not excited. Yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be long, guys. Guess so, what? Matt welcome. still sucks. Yep. No one's surprised. So we're going 31 through 35. Yes. We're starting, obviously, naturally at 31. Yes. Um,
0: these chapters are just all very long. They all kind of follow the same, like, theme. It kind of circles through over and over.
1: I think 32 and 33 were the longest, or 33 and 34 were the longest for me. There no was no so no! it's the middle two the middle two fucking suck like four kings in shadow and dark awaits it was so unreal for me yeah. to get through those chapters i felt like they were so long and they just like dragged for me and then we get to was, like, the, the same thing 35th four one yeah. yeah
0: which is where they finally make it to uh Camelon. spoiler alert if i mean you... it's
1: called Camlin, so like i would assume they're there yeah um but they get there and then it's
0: like that that chapter was so fast to me like, yeah like
1: the last two were so short yeah i was like <sighs> it was wild anyway the summary
0: for chapter 31 uh, stuff happens but not really but stuff happens in these epi- in these episodes so um this chapter is like kind of how they begin their travels in the direction of Camelin and right after the death you know little quotation marks of tom still not convinced nobody bust um and basically what they're kind of doing to survive and they will trade labor for a place to sleep and some food um with the farmers along the way people are nice and friendly to them at first matt is a creeper
1: and he fucks it up immediately
0: yeah he's like not too bad at first but then he like people get a little weird of him and he kind of has to you know um and one of the families that they stay with the like daughter's like super into rand she's like in love right away and so afterwards they're kind of mom's
1: like like, you fucking
0: my daughter get out yeah they're like oh yeah you know what instead of sleeping in the barn you guys are so nice you can sleep in the bed because she's gonna be sleeping with us
1: yeah also spoiler alert this is not a family friendly show no i'm sorry i can't help myself no Also, I did most of my notes when I was incredibly unhinged and sleep-deprived and up for like 20 straight hours. So there's so many like theories and me reading in between the lines so far. So I apologize in advance. Perfect.
0: Yeah, and uh, basically the family's like, "Mm, you should probably go play some ins.
1: You should probably leave and never come back, actually.
0: You should probably continue on your journey. If you could
1: go and never one time come back, that would be great that'd be really great. it's weird though because the dad wants them to stay yeah like, the dad would like love for you to stay yeah
0: also am i crazy or did at two different times during this section someone did, gave them scarves yeah
1: yes yeah dog I'm, I'm it's like, in do this I... chapter or it's either in this one or the next one and it's right after they escape four kings i'm like yeah. what happened to the first scarves
0: yeah i'm like like am I hallucinating? This happened twice. Is this I think just because deja vu?
1: we read so much in like a significantly little time comparatively to like if you were reading this on your own. It's easier for us to pick up like repetition. Yeah, I notice that a lot when I do audiobooks as well. Cause mm-hmm. I like, yeah, fucking like, marathon audiobooks. Cause I have three hours of prep and then like forty five minutes into work, an hour out. Like, I get through audiobooks like makes sense all the time um but yeah like the theme of these five chapters is like matt getting progressively more weird and unsettling yeah like he gives off creepy energy and like no one wants to address the fact that it could be potentially like it started when he got the dagger and it's gotten progressively worse like no one's gonna mention that yeah that's not gonna come up in conversation yeah yeah Like, we see, like, there's this part, and there's a lot of these, like, little snippets of, like, Matt's behavior. I'm not going to touch on all of them, because, like, there's so many. Yeah. But it says, uh, Matt snarled silently like a cornered badger squinting above his scarf. His hand was under his coat. He always clutched the dagger from Shadar Logoth when there was, when there was danger. Rand was no longer sure if it was to protect himself or to protect the ruby-hilted dagger. Like... Don't worry. This is all over these next five chapters. Yep. I probably am only going to make like one or two more notes of it, but like it's everywhere. It's a lot. It's aggressive. And then I like to see that like the braided hair to signify maturity in women it's only a two rivers thing yeah we suspected that but like i like that robert jordan is giving us the different culture and the different like dress and practices of people the further we get from emmons field yeah um i am certain that like the little so i have this theory so we see Rand's inner monologue changes over the course of his journey Mm -hmm. it's pretty self-deprecating like In this chapter, it says, you might as well stop, the voice snickered. One place is as good as another when you aren't from anywhere, and the Dark One has you marked. So, I definitely think this is the Dark One in Rand's mind, and he's trying to, like, tear him down in an attempt to, like, either slow him down or stop him from reaching Tarvalon completely with self-doubt. Because Rand thinks it's his own voice in his head, but, like, I don't think that. No. Like, we know that the Dark One doesn't exactly know where Rand and Matt are. It's not like Moraine with her, like, little tracking coins. Um, Dark Friends and Miradol have to, like, actively go and search for them. Yeah. Like, if the Dark One was able to pinpoint them exactly, we wouldn't be seeing this chase through the next five chapters we're going to read. No. So, I think that the Dark One, like, sowing this self-doubt and self-deprecation to Rand is his attempt to, like, get Rand a second guess. And to potentially stop so the Dark One and his minions can, like, attempt to get to them first. Yeah. Thankfully, we don't have any more uh, Dark One dreams in this chapter.
0: Yeah. Spoiler a alert. That was nice thing.
1: Yeah. Um, I initially had the thought that when, like, the Dark One was like, I have you marked your mine, it was in a way to track them. But I I don't think so after No, I chapters. don't think so anymore. Um... Rand offers selling the dagger or at least the ruby from it and Matt's gets like super defensive about it but then he actually oddly makes some sensible objections which is weird to me because Matt doesn't have that energy ever he says who would I sell it to Rand a farmer would have to pay in chickens we couldn't buy a carriage with chickens and if I even showed it in any village we've been through they'd probably think we stole it the light knows what would happen then like oh temporary character growth you make sense. Great. Yay. For 30 seconds. Yeah. And we talked about, like, the boys exchanging labor for meals. And, like, it it goes well, like, in the first part of this chapter. And mm-hmm. then it doesn't. And it, it ends up, like, resulting in them getting chased out of farms. Or, like, when the night comes, the farmers are like, you can't stay here, actually. Like, you creep us out. Yeah. And it's mostly Matt. Matt, like, mugs the farmers. He's, like, super paranoid. And he, like, mugs them the whole time like why would you do that
0: yeah you need to calm down like
1: have some kind of common sense maybe um and run like the grinwells with the daughter it's just we've already yeah she's making eyes at Rand. she's digging it Rand's not digging it but the mother's like get up.
0: yeah because like the boys go into their like house because they you know offer them a meal and then they're like oh we'll play and juggle and perform and be like yay um and that's when the little girl falls in love she's like oh yes ran the salts the tall sexy boy of my dreams and yeah the mom the mom in particular is like the fuck
1: is going on the dad doesn't notice it the dad wants him to stay but the mom's like get out yeah the bar needs to be higher for this young farm lady it definitely does um they find luck at a small town in aryan they have one in and they're able to play for food and board. And Rand makes a note of saying, and the inn's patrons did not seem to care if Matt stared at them suspiciously. Oh, what? Like, can we talk to Matt? Can we make him not do this? Yeah. And then, like, I definitely thought it was a good sign for them, and I was like, oh, maybe we'll have better chapters. No, because the chapter ends with uh, Randy began to think their problems were over till they reached Camelon, but then they came to Four Kings, and I was like, oh, solid. Yeah. And that brings us to uh, Chapter 32, Four Kings and Shadow, Which
0: I definitely, yeah, definitely felt like the longest chapter, and it's definitely the chapter where the most happens, um, because they arrive in the town, Four Kings, and they see, like, I picture in my head this like almost like Goldilocks like this row of like inns and they're like this one's full this one's full this one's full just right as this they get the creepy one in the back they get to the Perfect. creepy one in the back it's empty there's no one performing there and so they you know go in and they're like oh yes um we'll play the innkeep is skinny and the guy the innkeep uh hake he agrees that they can you know, play. They kind of argue about it a little Garbage bit. Garbage human. <clears throat> yeah, he's not the best. Um, and they kind of like you know negotiate some some stuff. Um, uh, he creepily watches them all day. Specifically, Ransord. He's like eyeing that thing. He knows it's worth some money, and he wants it. Um, and then a gentleman arrives. This man is dressed in some fresh to death clothes. And he spots the sexy boys, and he decides to stay, and he watches them incredibly intently. Uh, It becomes quite clear that Hake is planning to rob the boys. Um, They had a moment to slip away outside, and they uh, steadily did not. Uh, Later in the evening, after they're done performing, um, they're brought to their room. It's not really a room. It's just like a a closet. closet, and there's no way out of this room, like the windows are boarded over, there's one door, like, this man knows what he's doing, um, and when they go to sleep, they realize he's going to take all their belongings and rob them, especially he's got these two, like, giant goons, uh, and then suddenly the creepy friend Goad, who is the well-dressed man, arrives and says he wants to be besties with the boys, uh, and that he took care of Hake and his men, and they won't know, and he wants the boys to submit to the Dark One, and then Lightning, and they're able to make a quick escape into the night. That's a very brief summary. Because oh like my God, I said, a lot so, happens in this This book.
1: chapter was unreal to me. And then like I dreaded, like I procrastinated hardcore like taking the notes on this chapter. Because like there's so much and I just don't. All right. And it felt more like, it felt more important reading it the first time. But then getting to going some of the back, other chapters.
0: Yeah. And then going back. It's like. It's Especially the, the chapter thing.
1: after this. It's just like it's the same three things that happens to them and i'm just like i just oh it's like that it's like the two chapters of trollocs chasing the group but yeah. n- not doing anything actually to the group yeah. i'm just like i i'm tired of this like pointless
0: chasing literally.
1: and inaction literally like there's no stake here nothing ever happens to these characters Like, I'm not trying to shit on Robert Jordan. I really enjoy this book. Mm -hmm. But because, again, like we said earlier, we read so much of this book in such a small period of time and then we sit down to discuss it in depth. It's just like this low stake chasing is just so
0: pointless to me. Whereas, yeah, if we were reading it like on our own and separately, we'd probably blow through all this and not even notice it. We wouldn't go back to it a second time. Yeah,
1: Um, Four Kings kind of gave me like... You know when you go on a a road trip and, like, you have to pull off to one of those weird rest stops that's, like, a gas station but they have, like, this super center and it's, like, a subway and, like, a McDonald's and there's, like, an arcade and, like, photo booths and whatever and, like, a gift shop for this side of the highway? Yeah, with little knickknacks. Yeah, but it has, like, weird energy. Mm -hmm. Like, going into, like, a Ross or, like, when you have to go to, like, the grocery store at nighttime. Like, you get that weird, like, liminal space energy. Yeah. That's the energy that <laughs> Four Kings gives me. I was sitting there like, this place fucking sucks. Yeah. Gives me highway rest stop energy. Yeah. And it's raining aggressively.
0: I don't think it's raining when they get there. It's but It's not. Like, but about it starts to rain. Like, the clouds rain. are like, mm, So I, I laughed
1: when Goad's walking around in his fucking dumbass silk slippers. I'm like, boy, your feet are wet. They're yeah. gross in there. Where do you think you are,
0: sir? Seriously, <laughs> this is this is medieval esque times. Like,
1: but we silk find slippers? out we find out he's a wealthy merchant from Whitebridge, so it makes sense. Like he, I think it's the serving women that make the comment that like he probably he looked like he rushed to town, so yeah. he probably like left from Whitebridge pretty quickly after the Lip- F- boys. And he forgot his shoes. And he forgot to buy better shoes. Um. As you mentioned, every inn has, like, either one musician, multiple, multiple musicians, other performers already, except for, like, the super unsettling Dancing Cartman. But they're like, yeah, that's logical. Let's just go there. There could be anything wrong with it. Yeah. And then we find out that there is something wrong with it. And it's the innkeeper, Hake, mm-hmm. who's a garbage human beating. Literally. He's, like, so casual about hitting his serving women. Like, it says... Without taking his eyes off of Rand and Matt, he casually backhanded her across the face.
0: Yeah, because she, like, comes over and just, like, makes a comment or something about whatever, and he's like, shut the fuck up.
1: And then he tells her that she's gonna pay for what she broke. Like, he didn't, like, he wasn't the cause of it. Like, because he slapped her, she dropped the mugs or whatever. I was like, brother, what? (laughs) What? And then, although there's some back and forth... hake agrees that he'll feed and house the boys only on the condition that they fill his common room with their performance if they can't hake's like i'm gonna throw you the fuck out and you get nothing yeah and then we get like hake I fucking ran sword yeah which is fine well and i mean
0: rand is smart in the sense that he like he does negotiate it where the guy's like oh i'll give you dinner after everyone's left and rand's like mm-hmm no you're gonna give us dinner before because
1: i know this game like you're gonna try yeah and he's like if we can't like we'll see it um when he like tries to slip outside he's like we can't perform if we don't have energy and if we try to leave you don't think everyone here is gonna get upset you know what i mean he's like try to throw us out like rand's smarter than i think we give him credit for yeah but he also makes some stupid mistakes yes and so does matt um rand takes the sword off but he does it in a like he does it um hesitantly because his the sword he feels like is the last connection between him and Tam and he feels like it gives him the right to still call Tam his father. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he definitely continues to struggle with his identity and if Tam is actually his dad.
1: Yeah. And then we see Hake is still a gross human. Like, uh, I guess, like, patrons get handsy with the serving maids. And it says, um, more than once, Jack or Strom had to rescue one of the women. Though they were none too quick about it, the way Hake carried on screaming and shaking the woman involved, he always considered it her fault.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Men.
1: We love men. Yeah. <clears throat> I have so many. It's fine. <laughs> um, <sighs> And this is where we get to the part where, like, Hake. Haig- smiling at Rand and Matt is not him smiling at Rand and Matt. It's definitely at, like, the sword. Yeah. And also the stuff behind it. So, like, the loot, the... I think it's the flute that Matt plays. Like, it's Tom's stuff that's very, very nice that he knows that he can sell. And it was in that moment Rand knew he fucked up immediately. Yeah, He, like, um... Him and Matt are switching places, and he says low enough for only Matt to hear, Hake's going to try to rob us. And that's when the weird creepy man enters. We know in the future that this is Goad, but they don't know who it is initially. Um, They know he's different. Like, even, man- uh, man- even Matt notices it, um, but obviously we don't get his P. O. P. No. Um, Rand thinks he's, like unsettling and like so do the other patrons like it's very full in but no one sits near him yeah he's kind of at like his own little table yeah. by yeah and we see that he's a he's a soft boy yes <laughs> i love that i love that i love when authors use the word soft to like <laughs> describe i don't know why i just <laughs> love it because it makes them unsettling to me like when someone describes someone as like soft and fleshy it it unsettles me it reminds me of the duke harconan in the david lynch dune movie like super fat but super crazy and super violent like soft but crazy so like that word is just (laughs) (laughs) it makes me feel some type of way he's also not dressed like any of the other patrons no he's got like velvet and silk and he's wearing, again, like, slippers. And, like, brother, it's raining. Really? And we see when he comes in, <clears throat> it says he scanned the room once, already turning to go, then suddenly gave a start at nothing Rand could see, and sat down at a table. And then he it said that um, he sat as if there were no one else in the room but him and Rand and Matt. Then he watched over steepled hands that glittered with a ring on each finger. He watched them with a smile of satisfaction, or a smile of satisfied recognition. <clears throat> and then they tell Hake that they're ready to eat, and they tell him that if he tries to throw them out, he can. But they need to eat in order to play more. And if they're not going to play more, he's going to have, like, a bunch of unhappy customers. Yeah. So, reluctantly, he's like, fine, whatever. Go fucking eat. I don't care. Yeah, because the crowd is really enjoying them. And they're also rowdy as fuck. Like, we see yeah. that there's been a couple fights already. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's going to be a commotion if, like, these boys try to leave for yeah. the night. Um, We see that Rand, like, wants to go. But matt doesn't want to go he's like let's just eat first like let's just stay it's gonna be fine and that's like matt's reoccurring theme like they're in a bad situation and matt's always like but let's just stay like do you really want to sleep outside again yeah his own like
0: laziness and stomach and like all that really comes to bite them in the ass because like every time yeah it's yeah (laughs) i would have been like oh yeah
1: serve me up a plate and then just take the plate and leave the back door w- we'll see it coming up but the back door was like unattended they could have left immediately they could have left which they should have done um in the kitchen when they're eating they hear like the serving women serving women gossip about our soft boy king mm-hmm. uh, one of the women said he went to half the inns in town before he came here just walked in looked around and walked out without saying one word even at the royal inn like it wasn't raining at all and so Rand stops eating when he hears the girls mentioning the carriage. Um, so he goes to like the back door and he like slips out. You know, the best time for him and Matt to leave, but no, Matt's like too focused yeah. on eating. Um, and then Rand discovers like who the man is. His name's Howell Gold, or Howell Goad, rather. And it says he remembered where he had last seen black lacquered coaches with their owner's names on the door. And sleek, overfed men in silk-lined cloaks and slippers. Whitebridge. A Whitebridge merchant could have a perfectly legitimate reason to be on his way to Camelin. Which is what?
0: I honestly had no recollection of things. I don't remember. I'm talking about a fucking carriage.
1: It's not Goad's carriage per se. but But when they get off the boat, they notice that... In the harbor are all of these black lacquered carriages that all look the same that are all embossed with, like, the merchant's name on them. Yeah. Um, Matt tries to claim that that he told Rand that they shouldn't have stayed, which is simply not a fact. Not true. He says, I knew we should have never stopped here. (laughs) I was like, brother, no, you wanted to be here the whole time. Yeah, and you wanted to eat like five bowls of stew yeah and we we realize as rand realizes how good of a robbery setup that this inn is because one the boys can't leave without the guards knowing Mm -hmm. or not the guards the patrons yeah because they'll make a commotion two there's nowhere for them to escape like they'd have to push through the crowd to leave yeah which would alert hake and his uh bullies jack or jake and goat or not jake Strom and Jake. I don't know. Something like that. They're irrelevant to me. <laughs> I doubt we'll ever see them again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're dead.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Like I'm pretty sure they're not alive, but that's fine. Um they get back to performing after eating. After um Jack and Strom kind of noticed Rand trying to slip out, they immediately like guard that back entrance. Goad is now noticing that um, Rand is wearing his sword, and he notices the heron mark on it. And it said, The only one thing that seemed to shake the velvet-cloaked man's equilibrium, Rand's sword. He had left it on. The heron on the hilt, Goad noticed. His pale hands clenched, and he frowned at the sword for a long time before his smile came back. When it did, it was not as sure as before. Clearly... The heron mark means something to most people. We just don't know what it means, and it stresses me out. Yeah. Like I want to know. I know. Like I have ideas, but I just want someone to commit for
0: I me. I know. And I'm I'm beginning to wonder if we're going to find out about Tam in this book, brother, and get answers to the, to those questions. Um obviously there's 13 other books, so we got a lot, but I'm like, "Oh, no."
1: i don't know i'm like flipping through trying to see if i can find like a tam mention but yeah i don't think we get anything from tam in this book unfortunately <sighs> um so haig shows the boys to so they're very obviously not a robbery setup room yeah it's in the back of a really long single dark hallway there's no light there's just the lamp that haig carries and jack and strom are like super confused when hake's like okay let's leave them for the night and they leave them the lamp because they they thought that the plan was still to jump them yeah when they got to their room um ran's sure that hake will wait until they're unarmed and asleep to rob them because ran's still wearing his sword yeah um so they're attempting their escape attempt there's so much i'm skipping because i'm so over this chapter <laughs> Sorry for anyone who enjoys this chapter and the characters of Matt and Rand. Um, so they notice that there's a window in the room, and that it can be opened. It's just gonna take them a minute to open it. So they finally open it, and then there's just bars from the outside. Yep. Very Shawshank Redemption energy. <laughs> so they find a crowbar. I think Matt finds it, and they time their like crowbar like lift with the thunder so it's like masked yeah but they're only able to heave the frame open like a quarter of an inch like not enough to do anything so then we hear um like steps outside and like wood creaking and like the door trying to open like i'm pretty sure rand uh wedged something under the handle he did yeah and they think it's goat and they're like go away we're sleeping and like, the man says i fear you mistake me the voice was so sleek and full of itself that it named its owner howl goad master hake and his minions will not trouble us they sound they sleep soundly and in the morning they will only be able to wonder where you vanish to let me in my young friends we must talk brother no means no no means no but he's talking to them through the door he said he's trying to get them to like submit to him he says the great lord of the dark has marked you for his own it was written that when he awakes the new dreadlords will be there to praise him you must be two of them else i would not have been sent to find you think of it life everlasting and power beyond dreams and then they see like they're looking out of the bars trying to figure out how to get out because they're like super cornered Mm -hmm. there's like a lightning flash and they see that there's more men outside apparently like we know they're probably goads men they they know the windows there they're waiting for the boys to like burst out and then goad says again he says you will submit to my master to your master or you will be made to submit and that would not be pleasant for you the great lord of the dark rules death and he can give life and death or death and life as he chooses open this door one way or another your running is at an end open it i say and so they don't. And, like, they're stressing. Like, Matt is, like, Matt's, like, a someone who's, like, rolling too hard at a festival. He's, like, licking his lips. He's, like, darting his eyes. He's, like, he's, like, tweaking out, man. Oh, he is. <laughs> and he's, like, we could say yes and get away later. Blood and ashes ran. There's no way out. And we're, like, Matt, chill the fuck out. Settle down, brother. Yeah. Calm and at least try and think things through. Let's not accept the Dark Ones proposal. Maybe. Yeah. Seems like a bad idea. Seems like a real bad idea. And Rand's like, he's thinking no way out. Have to find a way out. Goad's still calling to them, demanding. um, The door begins to open. And then Rand suddenly thinks, a way out. And light fills the room. Flooding vision, the air roared and burned. Rand felt himself picked up and dashed against the wall. He slid down in a heap, ears ringing and every hair on his body to stand at end. He looked around in amazement. The lamp lying on its side on the edge of one of the few shelves still clinging to the wall gave a little light. All the barrels and crates, some blackened and smoldering, lay toppled where they had been hurled. The window, bars and all, and most of the wall, too, had vanished, leaving a splintered hole. The roof sagged and tendrils of smoke fought the rain around the jagged edges of the opening. The door hung off its hinges jammed in the door frame at an angle slanting into the hall. So, Matt... Is the one who says it was lightning that struck the window because he was looking right at it. Mm-hmm. So lightning comes, strikes the bar in the window, and like explodes everything inward to a part to a point where no one can get through the door because it's like slanted and like jammed into the yeah. door frame. And there's this giant, like, comical hole in the wall. Literally. Perfectly per- person sized for rat and man. <laughs> yes. Rand and Matt to leave. Um so they do, they they leave the hole and they go um rand is hoping that it's like luck and coincidence brother no yeah this man just channeled yeah so when i was first reading this um i like to write my first impressions down usually Mm -hmm. um we know from moraine talking and explaining it to Nynaeve and also Egwene that when you channel for the first time in a massive way like if you're unpracticed in channeling, you can do, like, small channels and not really notice it. But to channel massively the first time, it's always something that you need so incredibly badly that you reach out and touch the source. That's the way Maureen kind of explains it to Nynaeve. Yes. And that's this moment for Rand. Like, we've seen small moments of Rand t- channeling. Like, I think... Um, okay. One was, like, the boat, like, the mast, like, yeah. swings and hits the Trollocs. There's another one that I can't remember right now. But those are, like, only small, like, channeling feats. This is a huge channeling of the source to conjure, like, goddamn lightning. Holy shit. Like That's Moraine, a lot. Moraine moves Earth and creates fire. Like, Rand just channeled lightning. Brother, yeah. what? Wild. And then I said that I felt like Goad would become a small reoccurring character or theme not a character cuz he's dead, but we find that out in the next chapter. But the theme of dark friends just appearing out of the woodworks. Oh yeah. <laughs> the train is leaving the station. It's headed for Dark Friend Alley. Get ready. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um so we kind of start a little bit
0: ahead uh, at first, I honestly didn't even realize what was going on. I kind of had to go back and was like, wait a second. It confused um, the
1: fuck out of me. Yeah,
0: I was like, it just seemed like a very weird place because I don't feel like he'd done that yet in the book where he'd like started ahead and is like, this is what has happened. But maybe I'm forgetting.
1: Yes, and no. Um, I think it was like with Perrin and Egwene and maybe. Elias where they like started over explaining their journey and then went back into the intricacies of it probably but yeah i was like wait what is happening but anyway um they
0: kind of start ahead we learn that rand has been sick and that matt has basically been blind um and that the queen's guard is now like out patrolling the land and then we kind of get the flashback back or not yeah flashback whatever back to the events after the lightning they stumble along in the dark woods they're only able to see things as lightning flashes um all of his men though were taken care of so they're kind of like no one's chasing them um they do sleep when they can like just in the rain in the woods wherever yeah pretty much there is a dream our friend balzy he tells rand basically how much he loves him and he's obsessed with him and dead or alive they're hashtag like, besties.
1: Get some new material, dog. Like, I'm tired of you repeating the same shit over and over and over again. Literally, we get it. Like, anything else. Yeah. Please give us some, uh, give us the new lore drop. Anything else. Yeah. Uh, I said that Balsy feels about Rand
0: the way I feel about Edward Cullen or Chris Hemsworth, especially after that new trailer.
1: Oh my god. So, I woke up the other day. <laughs> <laughs> i wake up at three like 3 30 in the morning because i go to the gym at four and then i go to work i know you hate yeah. it you're awake at three i'm waking up at three it's perfect this yeah. is why we're friends <laughs> um <laughs> and like the first thing i do when i wake up is like i check my social media like i yeah. check emails i reply to people like i just check shit and then i like get up brush my teeth whatever So, I get to Instagram, and the first, like, image on my Instagram feed is that fucking still of Christian Bela's Gore the God Butcher just going. And it was so fucking (laughs) Yes, Like, what a a terrifying way to start my day. My room is pitch black. Okay, I didn't turn (laughs) any lights on. It fucking creeped me out. I was like, what the fuck am I looking at? (laughs) Because I had not watched the trailer yet. It dropped, like, the night before, like, midnight or something. And it was just him going... And I was like, "Please, never again show me that image." Yeah, the, I was terrified.
0: The first time, because it was it premiered during the Celtics game uh, at halftime, and so I I had my a migraine, but I called to, <laughs> to watch it. And yeah, the first time I, showed, I was like, "Ooh, that's a, that's Ooh. a face, but Ooh.
1: a Chris Hemsworth <laughs> body in that." I'm pretty sure his his ass is going to be uncensored oh. in the movie.
0: Oh hell's yes! You're like,
1: if it's not, I want a refund. yeah i okay so i'm a big comic book fan you're a big superhero movie fan Mm -hmm. um i'm so excited that they're doing gore the god butcher and like i know a little bit of fans like comic book fans especially are like so over his design because you know he like has a nose but christian bale has such like that angular face especially when he's on the thinner side that like it gives him like that creepy like ghoulish appearance that i think if you took his nose away it would look kind of comical
0: well I, yeah i think that honestly i'm sure they probably tested it yeah
1: so like so i'm happy with it yeah I'm anyway not, tangent I'm not over with it said to share that story yeah. <laughs> i was like oh what the shit is that
0: yes so anyway after a rough night and matt is like at this point he's still really blind um they also got a few rides along the way but they decide to stay at an inn it's still raining they're like soaked to the bone they probably would not survive another night um the inn is super expensive but they spend most of their money on a room and food and then at breakfast they spend oh my goodness i'm like choking um
1: if you could stop choking that would be great
0: (laughs) it's a crypt what else am i supposed to
1: suffocation is one of the hazards please don't sue us thank you so much
0: yeah um but so at breakfast they're just like you know casually eating their food and then this man like basically just waltzes in and practically declares himself a dark friend oh my god what an idiot literally like there's only one other man around
1: and he's just like what the fuck
0: yeah but like literally he's just like hey everybody
1: it's me the dark friend like <laughs> but gives them a, a like i'm pretty sure he gives them like a fake name yeah but he, then screams about the dark one in the middle of his inn yeah. in the middle of the morning like brother <laughs> he had no chill You're quite um, possibly the worst dark friend i've ever met in my entire life literally and uh rand
0: punches him and then they make an escape because at that point like the other man in the inn is kind of like a like, friend what the hell is going on like yeah Not sure exactly what happens to this man. Uh, I think it mentions it later, but whatever. Um, And they get a few more rides throughout the day. They arrive in another town with another inn. Uh, They offer to perform at the inn, and the guy's like, "Eh, all right. And then Rand is suddenly ill. Yeah. Just like we learned that would happen after a major channel. Um, Matt convinces the innkeep that, like, Unless he lets them like stay in the stable that he'll, you know. He's basically
1: going to parade Rand through
0: the common room. Through the common room, yeah. And so he lets them stay in the stables and Matt kind of like attempts to care for Rand. Rand is really kind of losing he's, like, it. He's in and he, out. Yeah, he's like hallucinating. He's hot. He's cold. Like he's all over the place. And, um, and then upon waking up, there is another dark friend. Another one. This girl approaches and she's like, oh, I'm here to check on my horse. Oh, let me see if you're okay. I'll help you. And then, you know. Which is suspect. Literally. Has a magic dagger and it ends up in the wood and it like starts to smoke and the wood is like. Why would we throw that away? Mm. Why would we not keep that? Yeah. Uh, And so after, you know, some conversation and a struggle, they lock the girl up and flee. Yeah. And they just ditch the weapon i'm like yeah you you think you'd want
1: to use that i mean you're literally being chased by dark friends don't you think you'd want to you know yeah like as stab an, them with it as an avid D player and like rpg player take and loot everything take everything why are you mm. leaving that behind that is a great item yeah. take that go back and get it you know what? turn around go back and get it yeah if i cannot loot in
0: a game <laughs> i'm always a little suspect i'm like what do you mean
1: to get into the details of this chapter after our tangents <laughs> um so matt asks ran in the future before the flashback if he's feeling any better and ran thinks to himself he really was feeling better he realized it was a wonder to get over being sick so fast more than that it was a gift of the light it has to be the light it has to be so we know via moraine to naive that when you channel massively for the first time like when you touch the source so hard the first time that you get terribly ill for a short amount of time or you like die and this is another like indication to me that rand is like for sure channeling oh absolutely and we'll probably see it more often now after his first big channel um i really like that we see that the queen's guards are supposed to patrol the land but we only really see them doing that the closer we come to Camelin, like mm-hmm. we don't see that anywhere else like randy even yeah. mentions like he wonders what people in emmons field would think about being considered part of the queen's territory because they're so far removed um and they're upholding the queen's law and keeping the queen's peace all of it love it um cue the flashback <clears throat> as you said man gonna call him man for the rest of time (laughs) matt was temporarily blinded for staring directly into a lightning strike because he's a fucking idiot he's like that's so dumb yeah um we get another um ballsy dream theme where is it i didn't flip my pages because i'm an idiot okay so it starts off with rand like walking towards the dancing cartman which is the inn where like go and uh hake are the two garbage humans yeah um goat is there but he's basically a well-done burger of a man like Mm -hmm. did not flip him over he is roasted um balzi tells ran that he can't run and hide from him and his minions forever and he says that what per or you see youngling you cannot hide from me forever one way or another i will find you what protects you also makes you vulnerable one time you hide the next you light a signal fire So I believe that Ballsy can kind of like spidey sense when channeling is happening because we know uh, Maureen mentioned briefly that Myrdraw can track channeling, like the use Mm -hmm. of magic. So I think Ballsy can kind of do something similar and like Rand channeling so much, so intensely in the moment in the Four Kings like was like a tracking beacon right there. I'm
0: especially guessing too since like Rand is obviously a man. Um, and the male part of the true source is so tainted.
1: By the dark by one. By the dark
0: one that like he can probably sense, especially with that part of the true source exactly. is being touched.
1: And knowing that he's looking for a man, like I'm assuming we all realize now that the dragon reborn is a man. Yeah. I know in the first two episodes of the show, I'm not gonna watch that the rest of it. I've only watched the first two episodes until I'm done with this book, but They don't necessarily say that, and they kind of lead you to believe that it could be a man or a woman. But the book makes it pretty clear that it's a man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We see again that Ballsy's like, it doesn't matter if you're alive or dead, because the grave belongs to me. Um, No, it doesn't. It belongs to me. Thank you. Thank you. It belongs to the Bone Baron and the Bone Baron alone. Why don't you step the fuck back? So don't you sir. chill out, sir? Sir.
0: <laughs> this, is, this is our crypt.
1: Yeah, fuck off. Um, and the last thing Bausi kind of says to Rand is, uh, is something that we hear him say before. You are mine, youngling, alive or dead. The eye of the world will never serve you. I mark you as mine. And then he casts Fireball right at Rand's eyes. Super classic. Yep. So it's just he's repeating the same stuff and he repeats the same line again later on. The same, like, I mark you mine. Okay, we get it we understand literally um when rand wakes up his face feels like tender and like sunburnt um and then we see like there's a massive amount of travelers going to camelin and like locals are more hesitant and unwilling to help strangers yeah like unlike the first leg of their journey where they were able to work for food and shelter they're only able to get like minimal help and like you mentioned like one guy gives them scarves and he's like, I wish I could help you more, but it's hard times. Yeah. And even, like, them getting rides is
0: happening, like, less frequently. Like, the day before, they were getting, like, a ton of rides, yeah. and now people are kind of like, mm.
1: Um Rand kind of decides that he's going to use the majority of the remaining coin for room and food, even though prices are five times higher than they should be because of the influx of travelers to Camelon. So they eat, they sleep, they wake up, they're eating again. And uh, our good friend, Pater, walks in. The dark friend, which I really don't think is his actual name because he's, like, super hesitant. He's like, my name, my name. Ah, call me Pater. Yeah. Okay. We see that? Like, he tells Matt and Rand that he doesn't want to do this, but he has to. He says, I have to do it. I didn't want to, but they made me. You have to understand that I don't. And they interrupt him and they call him a dark friend and he doesn't deny it. And they're like, leave us alone. We don't want anything that you're going to, like, tell us. And Peter's like, he goes for, like, a different um, tactic than the than Goad and then the girl that we see at the end of this chapter, yeah. where he's kind of like, there's no one here but me. Like, I'm not trying to trap you. I don't want to hurt you. Like, you just have to listen to me. Yeah. So they get up and they leave and he, like, puts his arm... He puts his hand on Rand's shoulder. And Rand, like, whirls around and, like, knocks him out. Like, Mm -hmm. he catches Rand's smoke immediately. He's... And Rand's like, I said, leave us alone. And so, like, Pater is, like, on the ground. He's, like, bloody. And he yells, you won't get away. No matter how strong you are, the great lord of the dark is stronger. The shadow will swallow you. He just yells that in the middle of the inn, in the town that he lives in. And the innkeeper overhears him and he's like staring wide-eyed he's like what he's like the fuck did you just say don't worry though dark friend train has barely left the station so it's gonna be a wild ride from here on out yeah um Rand comes to the the same conclusion that i came to earlier in this reading when matt starts bugging out he says if Balzamon." knew where we were do you think he'd have left it to that fellow there have been another goad or 20 or 30 bully boys my favorite word in this chapter (laughs) they're still hunting but they won't know until pater tells them and maybe he really is alone and then we see that there's like rumors spreading like one person says a a farmer told them a crazy old man at the inn was claiming there were dark friends in the village and then we see it like evolves to twenty dark friends have been gathering. Yeah, and they're like twisted and weird and dirty. And so, we fast forward to like <clears throat> the Queen's man, and they kind of like Rand half heartedly goes into his spiel about performing for food and lodging. The Inkkeeper actually like is pretty agreeable to it. Yeah. He's like, I don't have a lot, but I can offer you what I have. And then Rand gets super quick, or super quick. <laughs> super fast he's super fast no rand gets super sick super quickly it says the queasiness in his stomach grew thicker he dropped on a low stool holding his head in his hands the kitchen felt cold he shivered steam filled the air stoves and ovens crackled with heat his shivers became stronger his teeth chattering and matt actually does like a good thing for once yeah he's like i'll parade rand around right now i swear to god you better mm-hmm. lodge us and feed us. And the innkeeper does, he's like, You can stay in the barn, but just don't go into the common rooms. Yeah. I'll give you whatever you want. Good job, Matt. Temporary character growth. Temporary goodness. So Rand's laying in the barn and he goes from hot to cold, hot to cold. He doesn't want to eat. He tries to drink water, but like, it's looking rough. Mm-hmm. And he starts to hallucinate. First, he sees Balsy and two Mirror just like lurking in the shadow. And then Egwene comes next and she's asking why Ran left them. And she's proclaiming, We're all dead, kind of like blaming him. And then Moraine comes next, telling Ran that he has no choice and he must go to Tarvalon or the Dark One will take him. Tan shows up to remind Ran that if you trust a Naissadai, you'll wish you're dead. Lan comes after Tom and is like, he's like bleeding from the mouth and he says, Do you really think you're worthy of wielding that sword? yikes (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> and then perrin comes asking for help and then it's like a rotating cycle of like Emmons fielders we know because of the breaking of the world the dark one tainted the male side of the one power mm-hmm. to kind of cripple the next dragon that will be reborn because we know that time is a circle yes um that any man who channels they ultimately go mad and self-destruct like quite literally and I think this is our first indication that Rand is slowly losing his mind. Yeah. Like, I know he's sick and that's fine, but, like, he's hallucinating. Like, f- like actually hallucinating yeah. people. Um, and then we get the pretty rich young lady dark friend that has no name because she's not that important. No. She comes in and says that she's going to check on her horse. And then she's like, oh, my God, you're sick. What? Let me check on you. Let me help you. And so she's, like, leaning down to check on Rand. And then her hand, like, goes from under her cloak, and, like, something glitters, and she runs across, like, she lunges across Rand towards Matt, and, like, she goes to, like, stab him. But she misses, because, like, Matt ducks, and it says, Matt lay half on his back, one hand gripping her wrist just above the dagger she had driven into the wall where his chest had been. And then he has his creepy, possessed dagger, like, at her neck. Literally. So, good on you, Matt. And then... We see that, like, her dagger is, like, magical or, like, cursed, like you said. Like, it's got some kind of ability. So, naturally, like, they lock her in a tack room. Like, Matt wants to kill her, and Ran goes, no, we can't. And he goes, she's a dark friend. And Ran goes, we're not. So, like, Matt's all for, like, giving into the dark side. All right, I also have another theory. I didn't write it down because it's super tinfoily. Okay. I feel like we're getting so much of like, Matt's ready to give in, Matt's on the edge. I feel like Matt is going to have like some weird redemption arc where like we think he's going to give over to the dark side and then come back like kind of like Kylo Ren, but not like full Kylo Ren see i was thinking the same thing because
0: they're pushing the narrative so far that, that matt's like, creepy and unsettling that, and yeah, ready that to go creepy and crazy and he's gonna be like so quick to so like quick given that i think it's gonna be the opposite and then maybe
1: rand gives yeah him. like i i think it's in this next chapter but there's a part in the next chapter where rand said something about like he's definitely not the hero anymore and in my mind when i was sleep deprived i went he's gonna be the bad guy Just- rand's gonna be the bad guy
0: just, like, in Twilight, the bad
1: guy. Yeah. Boom. That. <laughs> but I think, like, Rand is definitely... I feel, I feel like Rand is definitely gonna have, like, not necessarily, like, consciously evil actions, but he's going to do things that impede the side of good in this story. Absolutely. Um. Anyway, back to the dark friend that they lock in the tack room. She lets them know that there has been like confusion about what happened in the four kings with goad mm-hmm. and that no one knows what happened in market sharon which is the town with Pater, and what idiot started the panic there so like this is not a cohesive like communication network they're, no. they're not really certain like i think the dark one can only give them like messages in their dreams and like instructions but he, they can't communicate back with him yeah and she tries to pursue them, and they're like, nah. They toss the fucking dagger away in some water. It hurts my heart. And then we get Master Kinch again from the beginning of the chapter, picking up Rand and Matt. And they're, that's where we are. Now we're on chapter 34. Last village. The um, last of my patients. Ugh, seriously. <laughs>
0: uh, more traveling boys. They sleep in some haystacks. And every time they wake up, there's like, more travelers on the road it makes sense because i don't know if we've learned i'm pretty sure yeah we've learned it already that um the false dragon is going to be in Camlin, so everybody wants to see him so like everybody's going so i I are like parading him around yeah they're making a a show of it yeah and um but it does provide a better cover for the boys because there's like so many people they just kind
1: of get like yeah. lost in the crowd, and they Rand makes a mention that they're all younger men, yeah like they're mostly younger men, there are a few older men and a few women and a few children, but they're mostly younger men, yeah, that are traveling super light, like Matt and Rand exactly, so they don't necessarily stick out no um
0: however, no one's offering rides anymore. There's one a lot more people that they need to be offering rides to, um but the villagers are really annoyed by all the people on the road, and they just don't want to help them um they make it to a town after like walking all day and then they kind of go through two towns like i guess they're all either close together or yeah they're like super close and so um they like go to one no go to another no and then they're like Rand's like we just got to get through one more even though matt's like i'm so tired i just want to lay down whatever um and they stumble upon a conversation between a Fade and a dark friend. Um, immediately when seeing the conversation, Rand's like Something, real weird out. Something's good. off." Yeah. But then he notices like his uh, cloak isn't moving in the
1: wind. And he's like, "Oh, well, yep. that's what it is. Um, and the innkeeper, it's the innkeeper at that town. I think that town only has one inn and it's the innkeeper that's the dark friend. Yes. Which is why they're like scoping things out. And so they're like, well, we can't fucking stay.
0: And right near that conversation, there was a man, uh, we learn his name is Bunt, and he was talking to the dark friend, and the guy, the dark friend saying like, oh, my friend is looking for these two boys, they stole a heron-marked sword from Yeah, your them. friend's a
1: weirdo if he's looking for two young boys. Mm-hmm. Go get help. Yeah. Um,
0: and Bunt kind of was like, eh.
1: Not buying it.
0: I don't. yeah i'm not convinced and so of course uh, it, it would be a little weird if like you're like hey there's two kind of weird boys around here with a sword and you're like hmm, okay i'll keep and my then, eye up. and then two boys come up and are like hey can you get a ride
1: yeah can we have a ride
0: no i don't have a sword on me
1: <laughs> this is not a sword this i don't is, know what you're talking about this is not a sword <laughs> it's just a, a very long stick that's sharp <laughs> it's a very long stick that's also in a sheath also attached to my side. It's yeah. not weird. It's only weird if you make it weird. Exactly. Um and Bunt does agree to give the boys a ride. Uh he's leaving at night, which is a little bit odd, but He also wants to go to Camlin to see yes. Logain. Yeah, he's like, Might as well. Um He's like, I don't think there'll be another one in my lifetime. He's like, Let's go Pretty much. <laughs> uh there is
0: he talks about the history of Camelin and the A that like is in the court there and Rand kind of wonders if she might be able to help him and then he dreams
1: yeah so we already talked about um how I feel like Rand is definitely gonna not end up the hero in this story like I think that's I think there's little pieces in the story that's indicating it right now but he thinks to himself um it was not easy to pretend anymore that he was a hero in a story even for a little while and I feel like this is like tiny little foreshadowing that rand is supposed to be the hero and he's not yeah um like you said that they're like everyone's going to go see the dragon and i swear to god if we don't see Logain and camelyn i'm quitting i'm not reading this book anymore heard <coughs> podcast <laughs> you're like is over. shit fine <laughs> you're like skipping ahead you're like <sighs> um maybe we should switch books <laughs> <laughs> we see that the locals are asking the queen's guards to do something about the travelers and the queen guard says if one of them steals something or trespasses on your land i'll haul him before a magistrate but they break no queen's law by walking on the queen's highway like goddamn right um like you said it's the innkeeper whose name is Holdwin, and he's the dark friend talking to the fade and they're like discussing something that like rand and matt can't hear from where they're like yeah hidden behind a building. Um but Bunt is there getting his cart ready to travel because he also wants to get to Camelin. And um the innkeeper Holdwin tells Bunt that he's looking for his friend is looking for a couple of thieves, young men, they stole a marks sword from him. And he also says they've been stirring up trouble with the men who work for him. Telling wild stories and getting people upset. They're dark friends. Oh, and followers of Loghain, too. Like, brother. And, Literally. like, Holdwin's not buying it. Like, he's just... He says um, something to the effect of, like... One thing the guards could do to make sure the roads are safe would be to clap that friend of yours in iron's. Sneaking around in the dark, afraid to let anyone get a good look at him. Can't tell me he's up to no good. Like, he's, like, on it. He's, like, fuck you. Fuck your friend. I'm out. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm out of this bitch. And he, um, Holden, like, laughs him off and, like, he goes back into the inn. And Bunt kind of offers Matt and Rand a ride because they tell him he they also want to see a little game. Mm-hmm. Um, Bunt's super talkative. He's a Queen's man. He says that a couple times. He says he's a Queen's man, but he's not a fan of Queen Morghese's Isidai advisor, Aleda. But Rand's like, if I can't find Moraine, then we'll go to Elida to take them to Tarvalon yeah. instead. Um, we Not get, the worst plan. Not the worst plan. It's a good plan B, but like, we know from Moraine that not all Sedai are relatively the same politically in views. Yes. So it could be... Not a great not idea. Not a great idea. Um. Bunt gives them like a little history lesson and like um, like a politics lesson on Camelot royalty. We see that like it's passed down from mother to daughter. Like the queenship, it's not um, patriarchal. It's women led. Um. Uh, I think the most important piece of this, besides stuff we already know, like um, Hine and the tree being chopped down and like. The Ae'el coming over from the Dragon Wall. We've learned this before. Yeah. I think the most important part of this section is learning that the queen's daughter... So, the son was killed in the Blight, and Tigraine, the daughter heir, vanished from Tarvalon. She's not dead. She's just missing. So, Morghese took the throne afterwards because there's no more daughter heirs. And she married Tigraine's um, widowed husband, Mm-hmm. i think that this is setting up potential conflict and later on in the story maybe that tigraine comes back and like tries to reclaim the throne Absolutely. for Morgase, or at least there's a political conflict in Morgase not really being the rightful heir to the throne of Camelin, and that could potentially lead to some kind of political Uh, conflict like Mm -hmm. whether she makes a decision that upsets her people and they're like well you're not rightfully the daughter heir so get out or t-grain kind of comes back um during this conversation though it's rand who falls asleep and it's tam who's explaining the history and politics of caitlin says tam told him about prince consorts and daughter heirs in the dragon wall and black veiled ayulman And then he has, like, a weirder dream. Like, suddenly the dream, like, kind of morphs. And he's back in, like, the um, Westwood pulling, like, that litter when when Tam was injured. But it's not Tam he's pulling. It's Tom. And Tom just keeps saying... He's, like, sitting cross-legged and juggling in the moonlight, like, on the litter. Mm -hmm. And he just keeps saying the queen is led to the land, but the dragon, the dragon is one with the land, and the land is one with the dragon, and behind Tom, he sees a meirdraw following them on a a horse, and he's got, like, the two severed heads of Moraine and Land, like, on the side of his saddle, and he's pulling Egwene and, and Perrin and Matt behind him, and Rand's like, not her, like, It's me you want. It's not her. And the mirror draw like burns Egwene alive. And Tom just keeps saying like as Egwene's like crumbling to ash, Tom's just saying the dragon is one with the land and the land is one with the dragon. You're like, all right, fella. Okay. And then we get the good old you're awake, but not really. It's still a part of the dream trick. Like Rand thinks he wakes up and then there's a crow, a raven on his chest and it says, you are mine. And it stabs his eye. But, thankfully, an improvement. When he wakes up, there's no pain in his eye. There's so. no pain in his eye. And now we're finally at our shortest chapter in the section of Camlin. Yes. Um,
0: they arrive in Camlin. It's the biggest city that they've ever seen. It's, like, fucking huge. Uh, um. They've said that a lot, but this one's, like, bigger than all the rest. They literally say it at every city they're yes. at. Um, the friend, Bunt, who gave them the ride, offers Rand some advice to maybe not wear the super obvious sword that a fade man is looking for, but That everyone and their mother recognizes every time. Literally. But Rand is like-
1: I'm struggling over here. (laughs) I'm trying to do it, like, quietly and, like, in my own corner, and you're just like, I'm just like, you get-
0: (laughs) Um- but Rand will not part with the sword because it's his connection to Tam, who's definitely his father. Definitely. Um, definitely. But the city's so big that they're basically kind of like, oh, we can we can kind of hide as long as we keep to ourselves. Like, no one's going to notice two extra people. Two extra boys. Literally. Um, the goal is still to find their friends, uh, although Matt thinks they're definitely dead.
1: Matt always thought that they were dead.
0: Yeah. Uh, but plan B is to find the Queen's, uh, Aes Sedai, oh, how did you say it? Aleda? Aleda.
1: I think. Um, I don't know. Don't quote me.
0: Um, I'm, I'm guessing that we will definitely see more of her. Um, and I have a gut feeling that her and Moraine hate each other. Just a, just a feeling in my gut. You know,
1: I, I think that could, you know, I'm going to subscribe to that. I know that's your theory, but I feel like that makes sense to me in my mind.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's gonna be some long rivalry that like even though it's a good idea to go to another die she's not gonna like her. Like
1: she's not gonna vibe with like her and Moraine's gonna have some weird History. energy. Yeah.
0: Maybe maybe they're both in love with Lan at one point.
1: I mean they were lovers to enemies. Oh yeah. I'm better. I do too. That's that's my <laughs> that's my fanfic. <laughs> um
0: so whatever. Uh Rand spends some of the last of their money to cover the heron mark he sees a lot of like wrapped swords so he's like i'll
1: wrap mine he's like sick yeah
0: <laughs> matt's like oh so we don't got money for food we got money for your fucking sword heard
1: yeah um, and then rand's like you could have fucking sold your dagger like ages ago shut the fuck up <laughs> literally um they go to the queen's blessing
0: which is the inn that tom told them to go to when they get there and they tell the innkeep that they're friends of tom he spills the tea yeah he's, he's like oh um let's have this conversation outside and they go outside and he is also me because he does not think tom is dead unless he sees a body i don't subscribe to tom is dead yeah he's like mm, until i see a body that man's not dead um and he does fill us in on how Tom was the court bard at one time. Hell queen. yeah! Like Tom had a backstory, and I'm like here for it. Um, and he was having a secret love affair with the queen, definitely. And when Tom left after like stuff started to happen with his nephew and the Ace die, um, the queen was very upset, and long story short he left came back he said some things he really shouldn't have to the queen who and he was lucky the queen didn't send him to die and then master gill the innkeep says he can offer them a room and some food but that's it and by the way don't mention tom or the ace today
1: yeah like because the people of Camelin know who tom is and tom didn't really leave on a good note yeah um so rand sees Camelin as like um In relation to the other cities that we've seen. So he says, Barillon could have vanished into it without being noticed, and Whitebridge swallowed up 20 times over with hardly a ripple. And then he describes that there's like um, a wall around Camelin. It's 50 foot high of pale gray stone. It's like streaked with silver and white. It's got banners in the Queen's colors, which is red and white. And it's like in a great circle. And Bunt said something about. The city being built, he said, the grandest city in the world, built by an ogre, you know, at least the inner city in the palace. And we know ogre's, I don't know if they're people or things, but we know that they or it is what build or use steadings, which is where Egwene and Perrin and Elias hide from like the ravens that are chasing yeah. him. So we know that they're, they have a tie to being like kind of anti source wielding. Yeah. So it's interesting that they bring up that the city and the inner palace are were made by an Ogier. So they're, they're the oldest part of the city. Yeah. Um, Holden, or not Holden, Bun also tells the boys that he knows that they're the boys Holden was looking for. Yeah. And like if he had wanted the reward, he would have not taken them all the way to Camelon. Mm-hmm. And he tells Rand to hide the sword. He's like, stop wearing it. Give it away. Do something with it. Yeah. Hide it. Sell it. Do whatever. Yeah. Alayda is still the plan B. Um, Then they have this moment of, like, major foreshadowing vibes. Matt's, like, freaking out. Massive anxiety in the city. And he says, I can't stop thinking I'll never get to see home again. I want to go home. We're alone and we'll never get home. We're going to die, Rand. And I definitely think that this, for me, is an indication of, like... Matt and Rand are never going to make it back to the two rivers. And I have like this suspicion that by the end of the series, one or both of them are going to be dead. Oh, yeah. And if one of them survives, it's not like they're going to make it back to the two rivers. Like they're not going to end up back there. No. Um, People are selling like tokens of Loghain. Like it's fucking Disneyland. Literally. And then we see Rand. He sees other men in Camlann who are like wrapping their swords in Uh, fabrics of the queen's colors so Rand does that as well to hide the blade um we unlocked an achievement which is uh making it to the queen's blessing yep we meet basil gill the innkeeper um he knows tom and he wants to offer the boys like a better room he's like I can only offer you one room with two beds and some food, but I wish I could offer you more. And they're like, for why? That's super gen- generous. Like, we don't yeah. even have to play music for you. Damn. And like you said, Gil and I agree that Tom's not dead because there's no corpse. Um, we learn about Tom's history being the car- court bard to the Queen of Camelot, And we learn that <clears throat> he had an affair with Queen Morgase like, after she was recently widowed. But he left when things um, with his nephew started to happen after an entanglement with the Aes Sedai. And like that soured things between him and the Queen because he didn't say anything to her when yeah, he, he left. left. He just left. And no one can find him. And when he came back, Alita, the Aes Sedai advisor to the Queen, was pissed off because he tried to intervene in the business with his nephew. What business? Yeah. That's super suspect. And uh, Gil said that... He said some words are right. Words you don't say to a queen. Words you don't say to any woman with Morghese's spirits. What a goddamn madman. Mm-hmm. And Gil also said that Tom leaves shortly after returning to Camelin, half a step ahead of a trip to prison. So Gil's like, don't say anything about involvement with the Aes Sedai, and don't talk about Tom. And he says that because... um. People have long memories. He's like the cap Like latest is still pissed off at Tom. Queen Morghese is still probably wounded by Tom. And the captain general, of the queen's guard, who was personally tasked with finding Tom when he disappeared, also hates Tom. So it's not a good idea to be talking about no, Tom.
0: No, not
1: a good idea. And with that, we're done with this we're section. We're done with this section. And hopefully... We get anyone else anyone else in the next five chapters like holy shit i cannot do any more matt and rand the clouds are passing before the moon and the crypt door is closing please be careful and mark your books for chapter 36 all the way t- through chapter 40 i think it's like 80 pages and we'll see you next time next time friends
0: Join us next time. Come to our next meeting.
1: Um, I'm ready. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, In a Crypt, the Dead Letters Club. Special thank you to Cade Sov. That's at C-A-E-D-S-A-U-V for making us sound better. And our theme song, which is perfect. It is perfect. Another special thank you to Art with Erica. That's art underscore with underscore erica for all of your art commission needs she does our art which i love
0: that is very kind of
1: her and we're your enigmatic ghoulish hosts we are you can find us on instagram as well and if you want to scream into the void we do have an email for all complaints inquiries and questions thank you so much thanks goodbye goodbye